This is Adam Tafel, and you're listening to the Success Recipe. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Success Recipe. Hope you enjoyed the last episode. I was able to drop and share some information about you. The amazing news of me linking up with the West West Network. Um, the crew over there are amazing. There are a ton of different podcasts available. So head on over, check out the website, um, and it'll give you. Um, basically an overview of every single podcast that we have over there Um, there's also some amazing content coming in the not too far future so hope you guys are ready got some amazing stuff happening all right for today's episode I was able to catch up with a friend of mine from Boston a couple of weeks ago so it was during COVID Um, his name is Michael Winter known as Winter Um, He's a man of many hats, he's an entrepreneur, runs his own businesses, um, is well known in the club scene in Boston as well, the nightlife industry, but this guy has done it all, so sit back, relax, um, enjoy his accent, his wicked Boston accent, Um, hope you guys enjoy this episode, we had some awesome catch-ups, tune in. Can you hear me? I can hear you. (laughs) Do I need to to wear uh, headphones also? No, this is just so I can really, really absorb your voice, you know. It's been so long. <laughs> my sexy, my sexy Boston accent. Oh, had to just watch Ted, you know, to, to remember what it was like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had to go uh, watch that uh, DiCaprio movie. I forgot the pod. Yeah. <laughs> How you been, man? Good, good, good. Are you starting this thing? Are you already started? <laughs> oh, I mean, I, I record, but I record from the start, but then it's easy to just um, edit out as you go, you know? I just do it more like a conversation with people rather than a fucking, how old are you? What are, you know? It's just yeah. easier. It's easier for people just to ease into a conversation. Yes. Yeah, you know, I know, I know that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, how are you guys doing over there, man? What's, tell me what's going on in. Um your neck of the woods like uh obviously like with the pandemic are you guys how affected are you guys yeah so um just like everybody you know everyone's going through a rough time but it was i think it was like the 22nd or the 26th of march uh we went into like a full country lockdown i mean you know we're only five million people so we're not a huge population to try and manage but yeah we went into a full lockdown so basically the only things that were open were essential services you know you've got gas stations doctors um supermarkets um and it was just yeah try and send one person from your household to like the supermarket had to line up to get in and stuff like that and we were in we were in that for about four or five weeks and then we've kind of just eased up and um yeah, as of yesterday, we, well, our total death count was 22. Uh, we've got one active case left as of yesterday um, and no new cases coming. So, yeah, I mean, they, we went pretty hard and fast early and I think it's kind of paid off for us to be uh, to Yeah, be I mean, well, we don't have any cases here in the United States. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been... It's tough, especially in uh, my industry. Um, you know, when I opened up, we opened up our second restaurant in the airport on January 1st. Talk yeah. about bad timing. But we crossed January to February, and then it was just, 
you know, it's, it, it just went down the, down the tubes. And I mean, I can only hope we survive, but I'm looking at all these different phases of the, you know, probably going to be allowed to have like 15% capacity. You know, it's, it's going to, it costs us more to open the doors with uh, what we pay rent here. Mm. And is that with, um, obviously your location in Faneuil Hall as well? Yeah. And you know, that being the fourth biggest tourist attraction in the country. I mean, no tourists. I mean, there was just no tourists, nobody going to walk down there. People are like, okay, well, why don't you guys do like to go food or um, delivery? But again, you know, we're in this, there's like, we're inside, like there's no pedestrian, you know, there's no cars driving in there. So mm. it uh, doesn't necessarily really work for us. And it's a, it's a nightmare for, Uber Eats or all these other um, DoorDash or, you know, um, to get actually like walk into Fina Hall, grab our, grab the food and then go deliver it, you know? So that's the thing is that by the time it gets to the customer, it's like cold and it's a bad reflect on us, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's the same, that's the same thing here for our tourism and, and hospitality industry. I mean, it's tourism's like our number one export earner as a country and, you know, other, other um, businesses can go back up and it's only going to really help our economy so much, but they're trying to look to at least open up our, um, I guess, our bubble to Australia because that would at least give us something. But, you know, it depends how Australia does with their efforts with the pandemic and how they're going. And they can't even travel state to state still, some of the places there. So it's just a bit of a balls up everywhere, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I love traveling and it, it's, uh, I don't plan on doing it anytime soon. So I know a lot of people, I mean, I, I literally was in the Philippines when they, uh, when the first case happened and then, but we were there for two weeks and over that two weeks, I mean, people were, you know, wearing, couldn't get a face mask anywhere. But then when I came to the States, I'm like, people are like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm going to buy like respirators before everybody. You know, people thought I was crazy, like buying toilet paper and paper. I'm like, no, you don't understand. It's going to happen. And then I was like, I was like way above the curve as far as like being prepared for this. So what's it been, what's it been like in, in um, Massachusetts? Um, I mean, it's it's probably like the same way it was for you guys the first four weeks. I mean, it's uh, still only essential places are, are open they're starting to open stuff slowly um you know people like the dry cleaners and stuff like that i mean i i went to boston for the first time in two months yesterday and here i am like you know we're in like it's just in your head you're worried about traffic i mean it is such a congested city no matter what time and i mean i went there and i felt like i was in like a movie that it was it was a ghost town there was nobody no cars, no people. It was just, it was just empty. And, you know, I, I made it in and out of Boston in 15, you know, 15 minutes to my house and on a regular day, it takes an hour, you know, it's, it's, it's insane. So, um, I, I think that, um, overall people, people here are starting to get, get the itch to my, sorry, my dog is next to me. <laughs> He's like chasing. I apologize if he barks at all, you know, so um, I I just think that the morale, a lot of people are really, um, you know, the uncertainty, the the nervous that people are having, 
you know, the xenophobia, the fear of the unknown, like people just don't know what's going to happen. Mm. And uh, especially like, you know, you know, I built myself up for, you know, over 20 years um, um, running the biggest nightclubs in Boston and, you know, having restaurants and being a restaurateur. And I mean, unfortunately, it's we were the first hit and we're going to be the last to open. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, we're gonna be. You know, we're the most impact, and I don't know if my businesses will survive. Um, you know, and it's scary. It's scary that you know, it, and again, pe- you know, the people will be on the other side saying like, "Oh, well, you know, we, people are saving their lives. You know, go work in a warehouse." Go. I'm like, I've been doing this for twenty something years. I built my networks up. I, you know, I, I started from the bottom, and now you're telling me because I can't open up. You know, what I mean, it, 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 it's very hurtful. It's tough. Mm. You know? And uh, is the is the um the government like giving any sort of relief packages for a lot of that economy yeah. at all? You know, it, it's humbling to say this, but you know, um, this is I mean, since the age of fourteen, I've I've worked, I've owned businesses, and you know, I'm collecting unemployment. It's the first time in my life I'm actually getting government assistance. I mean, um, you know, yeah, we pay insurance, and we pay to have unemployment. You know as a business but we laid ourselves off and then you know but slowly like we're gonna start opening our places off so you know yeah we gotta collect unemployment and um they they're giving you like an additional like 600 bucks a week so you know you end up you can do okay you know but when you know i gotta pay my mortgage is <laughs> my mortgage itself is probably what I, you know what i'm getting a month you know mm-hmm. so it's it's tough it just chipping it away at, at your, you know, savings and stuff. So, I mean, this is something that just, was just so unexpected, you know? So, mm. And with, uh, obviously, with everything that's happening and, and being so business savvy like you are for as long as you have been, are there other ways of thinking how you can come through this and, and pivoting with businesses? Obviously, you said, like, you know, Faneuil Hall is not the most car accessible and you don't want to put your brand, you know, in a position where you're giving cold food. It's like, like we know the airport will come back. We know the travel will come back. If we do have to, by some chance, close Faneuil Hall because of, you know, you know, say the rent is the most expensive rent in the city, um, you know, we, we would probably just reopen it, reopen it somewhere else, take some time off and reopen it somewhere else. But as far as, yeah, I mean, I'm constantly, I'm constantly thinking outside of the box ways to innovate and create, um, you know, and come up with ideas of, you know, my next venture, you know, it's, uh, unfortunately, I've, I've hit uh, quite a few bumps along the way, you know, I mean, um, you know, we're still, we're still in court in Hong Kong for my, um, my headphone company, and uh, I don't know if you remember that, I don't know if you knew that I, what did develop you know we came up with mtv headphones that we got an uh, exclusive um branding opportunity to you know develop headphones for mtv and basically um license their logo and own their logo for electronics and audio wearable technologies and you know we're tied up in hong kong course right now unfortunately you know again it's not something that it wasn't something that I did wrong per se. It's just, there was something wrong within the infrastructure mm. uh, leader, not including me or my other partners, you know, without, 
giving away too much about it, but you could probably get the big picture that there was a bad seed. You mm. know what I mean? So, I mean, hopefully someday we can uh, rectify it. But again, uh, I don't know, like, you know, two, three years ago, MTV was still was a little bit bigger. But I mean, I think now the route is gaming, you know, gaming headphones and, you know, getting on with some of the gaming teams and maybe licensing some of their brands mm. and developing products. And that's always an industry that, I mean, everyone's communicating digitally now and, and doing everything digitally. So that'd be a huge market to, to crack into. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, again, it's, uh, you know, it, it was something that, you know, I, I thought that I would never learn, um, which is fantastic. Again, it's like I sit there and I, you know, we, United States became a very non-industrial wise country we relied relied on everywhere else even myself like when i came up with the idea you know we we designed it we you know and then we came up with the idea that we had to why do china to go get it made because again you know the cost of, you know if we develop a headphone here um it would be astronomical because even com com companies like bose um bose is an american company but it's assembled in the United States. All the parts are still made in China. Mm. You know what I mean? So, you know, for the cost of goods, you still have to um, work there or you're going to have to play, pay a super inflated um, amount for headphones or gaming headphones. But, um, yeah, you know, it's, I, I'm trying to get that same idea that, I, you know, that it just, it, you know, they, they happen to me. My ADD, like I constantly am thinking my brain is working a million miles an hour to think about other ideas. And, you know, it was just, I'm waiting for that next big, big idea and, and take what I learned, even though it was, you know, hurtful, it cost a lot of money, lost, you know, a big amount of money. At the end of the day, um, it was a priceless education. Cause again, I don't have any friends that have thought about a product, you know, when in, you know, came up with a name, went and designed it, you know, got the best designers in the world and then executed, you know, at mm. the end of the day, it's, uh, it was, it was a good idea. Uh, it just, it just, it took, it was a human error, you know, and then maybe next time I'll believe in myself and I'll try to be the CEO you know, <laughs> rather than rely on someone else. Cause you don't think that you can run a company like that, you know? Mm. And so uh, when I met you, it was, you know, you're a man that wears many hats and I, I was introduced to you as a guy that sort of, you know, was big in the, the club promotion scene in Boston. So how did you get into that um, line of work? Um, you know, it's, it's funny. Um, kind of like you, cause I know that you have a love for dance. I've seen your amazing moves. <laughs> I'm sure many of your friends know that you're an amazing dancer and like you joke around a lot too, but it's, um, I've always had this background that I've, loved music um i played instruments growing up along with sports and it was like you know i had that natural groove i loved to dance and so i was that kid in high school that was going to like the under 18 clubs or you know what i mean and i really just i loved music i loved going to clubs and then um at the same time i was also that kid in high school that when there was a party i was the one at the front door selling the red cups you know, when they're doing keg parties. Um, so as I got a little bit older, you know, I started, uh, you know, working 
bouncing at some of these clubs. Like, you know, under 21, I would just, you know, work at some of these clubs. And, um, you know, next thing you know, it's um, I, I met some of the doormen that back then it was like, you know, you could be a promoter, but the doormen were the guys that made all the decisions. And I was, you know, I wanted to get to the door and I, I, I you know, I got up there as one of the youngest doormen on the street. And, um, you know, I, I was like, a, I thought that you had to be a fucking tough guy. You know, I was like, oh, I got to beat people up and, you know, show, you know, let people know because here I am and I'm like, I'm five, nine and everybody else is like, you know, six, five, six, seven. But meanwhile, I'm the guy that's, you know, jumping off speakers and stuff and, you know, right on it, like Superfly Jimmy Snooker, right on everybody. And um, I just didn't have fear at that time. And, um, but yet I met some amazing people on the way that taught me like, listen, the reason that you're at the door is not because you're a tough guy. You're there because you have a personality. You know how to talk to clients and people come just to speak to you. And then uh, I got more involved with uh, being like a host and, you know, taught, you know, not to be a knucklehead and to, you know, to talk to people the right way and to, you know, utilize customer service skills rather than, you know, you always have this perception that doormen were, you know, you know, get to the end of the fucking line. You're not dressed correctly. $20, you're not going to come in. I mean, you know, shake people. Now there were shakedowns, but I mean, that's, you know, that's another story. (laughs) But, um, you know, I started, I started doing it. And then um, I moved up to like this more Euro nightclub. And um, there was like very exclusive. I mean, it was like pick and choose who comes in there. And um, it was around that time that my father got sick um he got he had he got cancer and uh it was right around then that i was decided to um i was like i'm gonna start throwing my own parties and you know and i I remember i threw my first party which was like a birthday party for myself on a wednesday night and you know because i would sit there and i'd always take people's phone numbers down and you know, I made business cards for myself, everybody business cards. And I just got to know so many people. So I threw my first party on a Wednesday night at the club. And it was like their second busiest night that they ever had as far as like, you know, they killed it. You know, I had something like, you know, we were at capacity. It was crazy. And then, and right around that same time, a new director came to like Lansdowne Street, which is synonymous. It's right next to Fenway Park. It's all the clubs. He came down there and um, calls me into a meeting and he's like, listen, um, I like you and I want you to be like the head of security, but you, he goes, I don't want you to be at the door. He's like, I, he goes, I, I want guys like six, five. He came from New York and, I'm, and I look at him, I go, listen, I go, you're coming from New York. I go, people aren't intimidated by guys that are six, five, unless they're like ton of wine. You know what I mean? But it'd be, you know, it's like, <laughs> We, we aren't scared like you know we, we've been raised like that a whole lot like i mean you hit them right in the jaw like i mean they're not scared that doesn't no. intimidate and um so he gave me a two week he's like and i go listen i go my father is sick right now and you know um can i have two weeks to decide you know in my head i'm like okay what i'm gonna do for that two weeks i'm gonna go get every single person's phone number out of that club and i went and made and went in uh when i decided to uh start throwing my own parties and I took everybody from that club and brought them over to another <laughs> club and that's how it started I just and then I got in you know I was throwing parties 
um, Fridays, Saturdays, uh, Wednesdays, Tuesdays, and, you know, hosting hundreds of celebrities. I mean, um, you know, that's where it came about. Like you start, I started, you know, taking care of celebrities and then they would pass my number out to other celebrities that were coming to Boston to film or whatever else. And, you know, next thing you know, like some, one of the local press would pick it up and, you know, that would help, you know, PR, PR myself, you know? So it was, um, I mean, that's, that's the route. And then, you know, till, till now it's like now it's, I'm, I've slowed down on the promoting side more. I'm now more, um, like a director and in, and, and I, you know, cater to, you know, it is, it's changed over to more table service, as you know, and people want to come in and spend thousands of dollars. And like, you know, I cater and I'll run all the waitresses and deal with all the tables. Mm. So that's where I've, you know, gone to now. And do, and is that something that kind of um, speaks to you more in terms of, as you said, you know, you, you like the, the talking and the hosting and the interacting with the people as opposed to doing the whole, the whole crazy parties. Is that something that you're more passionate about now as you've gone through the whole experience? I got to say, I mean, I'm not as, it's what I know. I can't say that I'm as passionate anymore about it. Um, it's just, it's kind of just uh robotic it's kind of like just something that i just i know it's in me and uh, um i can't i don't know per se you know if it's passion like if i tomorrow was to think about my next next thing would i um give up doing this absolutely you know i mean it, it's what i know i mean the money is was and is easier than in most professions and it could be very lucrative um but at the end of the day i, I mean i the way I came up, um, you know, now you see all these younger kids and it's like, they weren't out for like, we used to go out flyering and putting them on every car, you know what I mean? Going out, passing business cards to every person, taking everybody's, now these kids just, you know, throw stuff on, on Facebook or, you know, they, next thing you know, they get like 20,000 followers on Instagram. Like, Hey, I'm throwing a party, come down here, blah, blah, blah. You know, they don't have to do as much of the work that, you know, we had to do. You know, it's, um, so at the end of the day, it's, um, you know, as I get older, I mean, I, I can't identify as much with a 21 year old or 23 year old as much as a 21 or 23 year old promoter can, mm -hmm. but, um, I can definitely take care of those clients, their clients better. Once they get brought in the door, I mean, I'll go over and talk to them and then, you know, I'm not trying to take, steal them, but I mean, at the end of the day, like they'll, um, they might be lacking the same social skills that um, I feel a little bit older people have. Mm. <clears throat> what have, uh, what have some of the highlights been of, with the work that you've done to date? Um, I mean, again, it's, you know, I'd say like, you know, celebrities are not, they're the same as everybody else. It's, you know, if I'm taking care of a celebrity, it's the same as taking care of a doctor or, or some of my, billionaire or you know multi-millionaire clients but i mean it has been that some of those some sometimes taking some care of some of those uh celebrities has been a highlight just because it's been so impactful to my clients you know what i mean like i sit there and I, I just look at them as a regular person and i break their balls and have a good time and you know treat them with as a friend rather than just you know kissing their ass or sucking up to them and not actually, you know, I have, I have a conversation to become very personable with them. Um, 
I'd, I'd say that, uh, you know, some of the relationships that I've gotten out of this is, is the best. I may not be a financial multi multi-millionaire, but my networks are beyond someone that's of that level. Um, you know, whether it's a political, a, you know, political connect or celebrity connect or, um, millionaire billionaire connect or you know whatever you know friends call me and they're like hey you know do you know do you know this guy you know i need a jeweler i need this i need that and i'm just I, I you know it's like i have a rolodex of everybody and i've done so much that for people i very rarely ask for something back but if it's like hey if i if they can make money and i could connect a to b i'm gonna do it you know that's uh my networks are the best thing that i've taken out of everything that i've done what about challenges? Have you had any uh, challenges that have really sort of put you to the point of potentially maybe giving up or, or really tested you along the way? Um, this one right here, <laughs> the, the pandemic is one. This is probably the, this is probably the worst. Um, this is definitely the worst. But um, yes, there's, there's been times I quit. Um, when I gave up, I mean, I remember, you know, 10 years ago, I had almost as bad as my MTV headphone getting, getting screwed over. Um, I got, I got really screwed over in business bad. Um, and I lost a substantial amount of money. And, um, at the same time they were, they were creating a reality show about me right around the same time Jersey Shore was going on. They were actually, and I was, um, it was sad because I, you know, I ended up uh, getting kicked out of, uh, you know, embarrassed by, like, kicked out of a, a, a party that I was throwing. Um, ended up losing the contract with this show that was going to be on MTV. I would have made a tremendous amount of money, and I lost, you know, this uh, the contract with this club, and it was, um, you know, it, it put me in a very dark place, um, very, very dark place. You know, it's. You know, I, I, in my head, you know, I ended up like quitting, um, losing a girlfriend, ended up, you know, not leaving my house and um, fell in a dark place because I, I just felt so vulnerable and I felt hurt. And, um, you know, and I don't mean to use this term, I felt emotionally raped because the people that I loved and looked up to at the time my father passed away and I looked at these men like they were my, like my dad, like they were my like second fathers. And I, you know, I would have bent over backwards. I would have hurt people for these guys. And, you know, they beat me, they got me, you know, and they got me and they hurt me financially. And uh, I had to walk away as a man uh, with my tail between my legs and I wanted to quit. And, you know, it was right around that time that, um, you know, I, I was sitting at home and I finally went out. I, I quit everything and I went outside. I went out in that night. Um, I remember it clear as day is that my partner, Miha, was just driving by. And I think he was in, a, pretty sure he was in a convertible in the passenger seat. And all of a sudden he's like, he's like yeah, I'm like, we're just talking. He goes, hey, you know, I'm thinking about opening up a place. I'm like, I go, I would love to open up a place. He's like, he goes, let's do it together. It was just like that. You know, it, it was like that. It was like a blessing. Like, you know, I, it was my first night out after being in depression for six months, didn't leave my house. I turned into like a zombie and uh, it was like almost like a destiny of me getting out that night. And then we executed, we went both, 
steam ahead and, you know, opened up, you know, almost uh, eight or nine months after that conversation. And Mia has uh, amazing food. I, I miss that place. <laughs> Love it. I mean, I miss it too. I mean, <laughs> you know, but I, I don't miss it. I mean, right now I trying to take off. I, I definitely put on 25 pounds. <laughs> like I, because I mean, I am such a gym rat that I, you know, I, I set up some stuff at my house, but I just can't, like I'm in my house. The second I'm in here, I just want to like be lazy. Like I, I need to get out. Like that's why I've been hiking like 10 miles a day. Dude, it's, it's so fucking hard, like mentally to have to work from home and then try and turn your home into a gym. It just doesn't work. Like I, I, I had nothing. And then I had to order a kettlebell. One kettlebell was like 120 bucks. Took like three weeks to come. And then I got it and I was like, I don't fucking want to use this. It's, it's so hard. So I've picked there, up running. Yeah. Well, I wish I could. I just, I, I've been hiking, which is great. I'm very fortunate that I live <clears> close to a reservation a state reservation that has like mountain lakes. And I literally walk from my house. And if I do not hit 20,000 steps in a day, I, I feel, I feel sick. And I, this has been two weeks, which I'm happy, but I mm. do the same as you. I, I stupidly, I, when I came back from Philippines, I did go to like Walmart or somewhere and I bought two dumbbells that I can put weights on it. But I, it's like the max I have is like 50 pounds, you know, and I bench like 450. I mean, I can't like that does nothing for me. Like I can do push-ups forever. Yeah. You know? So you know, I I kind of wanted something. Uh, you know, I don't know. But again, I, when I'm home, if I I even set it up at like in the basement, and so it wouldn't be anywhere near anything else in my house. No, nope. I I went down there one time. I got resistant bands. I you know all that type of stuff. I got, you know. I got them like hanging right off the door. I got look at I got resistant bands hanging from the walls and stuff. It's got to be done in a gym. It's got to be done in a gym. I I, th I think the only real training other than hiking I've been doing is uh, this. Working <laughs> <laughs> <I'm laughs> my forearm yeah. strength and curls. Yeah, I mean I um I just started picking up running and then. I just like set st stupid challenges and then I just decided that I was going to run the marathon in November and I'm just, I was like, I'll, I'm going to do it for mental health foundation. So I just oh, randomly decided like to do that. Yeah. Next will be Forrest Gump. You'll be running all the way across New Zealand. <laughs> uh. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Got some amazing insights into the man himself, Winter, um, the hustle that he had, the drive and the passion um and yeah basically an insight into many different industries and and where hard work can get you um and how he just perseveres as well next week i'm going to drop another quick uh, update for myself talking about a couple of events uh, that i've decided to register for um actually helping to assist with some charities um, and then again i'll drop another episode i've got some more content coming up in a week or so um, but until then check out my whole back catalog Send me some feedback. Let me know how you enjoy the episodes um, and subscribe either on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you stream my episodes. Peace.